This is the Gambling Gauchos. Welcome to the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Rowe. He's Kyle Jacobson recording live on the Cardinal Sports Center studio. By the way, a Father's Day giveaway there on Facebook if you're friends with Cardinals or follow along in what they do. It says he shared his time, his wisdom, and his wallet. It's your turn to share what makes your dad the best. So go comment, like the picture on Cardinals, and be in a Father's Day giveaway. Looks like uh, some polos, golf accessories, hats, shorts. Very good stuff. The contest cuts off, if you're listening to this, late June 17th, Father's Day this weekend. They also have the um, sidewalk sale coming up, Mm -hmm. July 7th through 10th. It's like Christmas in July. So a couple things to look out for with Cardinals. Of course, you can find them in Lubbock, in Plano, or at mycardinalsports.com. And as many of our followers and listeners know, I am a father, first Father's Day. So if you were looking for a gift for me, uh, yeah, anything from Cardinals will do just fine. Thank you in advance. Yeah, you're a father and I'm a daddy, right? <laughs> what? <laughs> hey. Um, Anyways. Hey, welcome wanted, back, Kyle. Yeah, I was going to say thank you for filling in and uh, doing the crossover episode with often referenced Red Raider dugout, Keith Patrick. Y'all did a great job. I loved that it went an hour and a half. Just I, I made a mental note of this when you said, like, all right, I'm done. Any final thoughts? There was like 25 minutes left on the episode. At least. Just classic. I think we did it twice, too. Yeah. No, but y'all did a great job. I think really summed up a lot of my thoughts pretty well. And uh, I was I was out of state last week. So you and I haven't done an episode together since the regional preview. Um, and I didn't have a phone for a short amount of time. Threw it into a lake in Wisconsin. So. You threw it into the lake? What happened there? I mean, Dropped accidentally, yeah. Tossed? So. Okay. Full story, get in to know the Gauchos, sponsored by Diversified Lenders. Check them out at diversifiedlenders.com. I was on a, a boat cruise because there's a bunch of really nice lakes up there. The Finger Lakes. Not the Finger Lakes. It's like oh, okay. New York, Pennsylvania, I think. Um, it's just so, an office reference. Right. It is an office reference. Yeah. Um, Madison is the capital of Wisconsin. And at night, when you're cruising on the lake, the Capitol Dome is lit up. It's a very nice. I'm sitting kind of like along the railing and the Capitol's behind me. And I go, oh, that'd make a nice picture. In hindsight, what I should have done, stand up, take a step back from the railing and take the picture. What I did was pull my phone out of my pocket, turn over my shoulder like this, try to take it one-handed. And when I clicked to take the picture, lost the phone. There was no like lip or anything so straight into the lake absolutely nothing i could do about it and by the way if you're not in the city where you live and you're not within walking distance of a t-mobile store do you know how hard it is well just call an uber how am i going to do that without a phone just call a taxi i can't call some taxi companies have a website so i tried to hail a taxi on a website and what do they do they ask you to create a profile they ask for your phone number, and then they text you a verification code. Well, I can't verify my identity. Impossible. So I skirted some rules, made some random guy call an Uber for me, which you're not supposed to do. 
Thankfully, the Uber driver was cool with it. Got to the T-Mobile store, bought the only iPhone they had, and we're back in business. You didn't want to wait till you got home to get a new phone yet because you're on vacation. You needed it for work or what? Well, yeah, I mean, I kind of needed it for work, and I, was, I didn't want to be in another state in an airport right. without a cell phone. Like, mm, even, I mean, wasn't your wife there? No. Oh. No, I was, I was on, went. no, I was on a work trip. Oh, I thought it was a combo trip. No, no. I thought everyone was going down there. Like, so you're solo sounds, alone. Yeah. And we probably have some Gen Xers and boomers who are like rolling their eyes that I couldn't survive without a phone for 24 hours. But like, you don't realize, I, I mean, well, I would prefer, I would prefer to not be, hours, huh? I would prefer to not be that dependent on the phone, but like, Again, when I can't even get in a car to go get a new phone without access to somebody else's cell phone, you you don't realize how attached you are um, it's tough, until man. you don't have one. So anyway, it's tough. I'm but sorry it's all good. Yeah, I'm sorry you I mean, went through that. Must be problems. Right? <laughs> I feel like you're patronizing me a little bit. No, dude. Um, anyway, that was getting to know the Gauchos sponsored by Diversified Lenders. Lots of news from the last week and a half that we have not talked about. Uh, first of all, let's get into the 2023 Big 12. Uh, we glossed over the basketball scheduling. I don't think we ever really talked about it. Uh, but now that we know the 2023 football will have, let's say, 14 teams. I'm still not convinced that Texas and Oklahoma will be here in the 23 season, but that's what they're claiming because the AAC has come to an agreement. $18 million is the cost of leaving and they're going to give them. Did you see this 14 years to pay it off? Yeah, that's a no brainer. You know, you, they're going to cut that check. day one. one point that, something right, million after you go double your salary in the big 12. That's a no brainer. For those schools and for the AAC, like I guess if they're going to leave anyway, you might as well get something out of them. For sure. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you as far as not really being certain as to when Texas and OU are leaving. We know that contractually it says that 2024, 2025 would be their last academic year in the Big 12. I think everybody's been skeptical all along if they would actually last that far. If I okay, if we were trying to like set odds, what year will be their last? What odds would you make 22, 23, and 24? I would say 5% chance gone, they're gone next year. Like, I think, I think Texas and Oklahoma will be here one more year through 2022. Through well, yeah, through 22, 23. Okay, like, like football seasons. Okay. Sorry, you're a little bit confusing there. I just clarified it for you. They will play one more football season with the Big 12. And then when they will not play with those other schools. Uh, 70, 70% chance they're gone next summer. I could see that. So you think the favorite is that they have one more year? Yeah, I've said that. I've said this since day one when the big 12 decided that they were going to expand before anyone was even in 
Texas and Oklahoma last July. I think it was July 26th, maybe. It's either right after or right before Big 12 Media Days. They were like, peace, we're gone. I said then, they've got two more years. I just really don't want a temporary conference of 14. Me neither. You'd have to redo whatever pods, divisions, or two, three, three system, whatever they come up with. I don't want to do that for one year, two years, get acclimated, and then switch again. Like, just – No. I don't know. Unless you have plans to expand to 14 when they leave, and you have two waiting to come in and fit those roles, why do it? Just be the Big 12 with 12 teams. And it would have been awkward – you know that Texas and Oklahoma would be like, oh, well, we need to be together. And the Big 12 would capitulate because they have for 40 years or 26 years, whatever it is. What I would love to see happen if they, if that does unfold that way is put Texas and OU with the five weakest brands in the Big 12, whatever you consider those to be. So, like, congrats, you're paired with Cincinnati, UCF, Houston. Like, don't even give them the satisfaction of playing – Bedlam or BYU, Texas Tech, you know, be like, okay, this is your, since you're in purgatory for the next season or two, this is the way it's going to be. Like, congrats, you get a home and home with Cincinnati. And like, and, and West but Virginia. Then, but then you're, ha- are you having to remix that once they leave? Yeah. And then you make actual. Like, to me, the best, but to me, the best is to just set whatever the hell you want to do. If it's going to be six and six when they leave, if it's the pods when they leave. See, you can't do this with the pods. But if it's six and six, just add Oklahoma on one side and Texas on the other side. Or make the pods without them and then. And just have them line up and play. Yeah, they're like free agents. They're ineligible to win the conference their last two years. Just say, we will assign you nine conference games, you will play them. It doesn't matter how you fare in those. You cannot win the conference championship as your punishment. Yeah. What are they going to be like? Oh, fine. We're leaving. Okay. Okay. See you. Bye. Bye. Yeah. I don't need them to be here at all. And you can pay us however many tens of millions on the way out for leaving early. That's the way it should be. They should be punished for how they maneuvered this. But yes. like you're saying, the Big 12 is not going to um, Unless... have the testicular fortitude, as our friend Dallas Braden would say, to actually do Unless, that. Unless, Kyle, they hire a boss with some huevos. Yeah. I think that's going to happen. That's been quiet. You want to know what I think on that? I. That's why I asked. Is this is this like a forum where you and I can both exchange our ideas and opinions? Yes, it is. Um, I I tweeted, kind of a thinly veiled, you know, hey, it's been quiet on this front, and I strategically tweeted that the day after Texas Tech's baseball season ended. Right. Um, now that track is over, I think it is the end of all sports until. You know, soccer, football, come back, volleyball. If the Big 12 was going. Yeah, now that track and field is wrapped up this weekend. Yeah. Right. If the Big 12 was going to hire somebody from just spitballing here, Amazon or Hulu or a sports book, 
they would not be confined to the athletic season's timeline. No. But but if they were going to hire, say, a sitting athletic director in the conference, they would probably want to wait until that athletic director's respective uh, athletic season had concluded. Right. So it's been awful quiet. We think that Kirby Hoka would be a very qualified candidate. If he is the next Big 12 commissioner, um, I would not have expected to hear something before now, but I would expect to hear something between now and media days, I guess, is when they hope to unveil this. So, Well, those quotes got crossed a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Dr. Lawrence Skubinick said, we hope to have that named before Big 12 media day. And so everyone was like, it's going to be released at Big 12. No, it's not. It's going to be right. released before yeah. Big 12 media day. Yeah, that's when I think he'll be introduced, but it'll be announced yes. before then. Because so, uh, if you have a new Big 12 commissioner, you want him there running the Big 12 media day. Yeah, yeah. Casting the vision for the future, especially right. now that you're on an expedited timeline with the four new members coming in in 23 instead yes. of 24. So I don't know. I could be seeing smoke that isn't really there. Maybe that's a coincidental timeline, but I've been thinking for several weeks now, like if they were going outside of an existing AD or something, because even like if it was somebody in the big 12 office right now, like a vice commissioner, assistant commissioner, same deal. That guy's not attached to any no athletic programs schedule. So, and there's, there's not even any big 12 teams left in the college world series. Right. Yeah. Just, just a few former ones. Just two SEC schools. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Again, I, I could be, I don't have a, any scoop there, but it just seems to me if they wanted Kirby Hoka to be the guy, they would have waited until Texas Tech baseball and track concluded and then right. formalized it. So if it is him, I think it'll play out in the next few weeks. If it was never going to be him because it's going to be some guy from Hulu or a sports book, I feel like they could have done it sooner. Yes. I mean, so, initial, we'll the see. initial run was 90 days, uh, but you still haven't even heard from, like, Oliver Luck on anything, or and that's 90 days from uh, whenever that came down. So, I mean, we're, late, we're, uh, we're close. Yeah. Because that was late March, early April. Yeah. I think. Because it was after basketball season. Uh, two weeks ago, I think, on the Raiderland, we pegged it as the last Tuesday in June is when we would make the announcement. Not that the Raiderland is making that announcement. You can listen weekdayskkn.com. But that the Big 12 would make the announcement the last Tuesday in June. And So there's the prediction. What do we think? So I was about to say, it's been very quiet throughout the process. There was one little report that they liked. I think it was the president of Washington State University. Yes. And that I, was like, uh, I, I didn't see any validity in that report. That felt to me like a a poison pill type. Like somebody heard that yes. rumor and was like, hey, report this so that everybody can see how ridiculous this is. Yes. And it feels like that got shot down really quickly. Because it was like. Uh, industry, my industry sources say that everyone likes this guy. And it's like, well, your industry sources are idiots. Yeah, and, and part of me is like, I'm not going to put it past the Big 12 to screw this up because 
they hired Bob Bowlesby for a decade. Yeah. So part of me is like, there's no way they're going to just hire. There's no way they don't see the writing on the wall and they just hire somebody who's not um, adequately well, equipped to navigate well, the future. But uh, then again, yeah, they absolutely could do that. I have zero respect for the Big 12 Conference. You know, I, I continually see them doing things that I don't agree with. They do not run the conference how I would run the conference. Uh, I always think I'm right anyways, as you can well attest. But I do trust Lawrence Skuvenick, who is the Big 12 chair and has some control into what's going on. If they can not let Texas and Oklahoma be involved, which they shouldn't be, and they can get some of these new schools on board with a similar vision, I think you can have a rebound from the Big 12, but you, you have to first say, we need to rebound. You're not a strong conference right now. Although um, they did get I, a... It was a surprise, though, that they got a bump in, in uh, TV money. They got a good number. Um, and, you know, I think what we've seen with all this, Texas and OU moving, Bob Bowlesby resigning, it's kind of a peek behind the curtain as to how the sausage is made. Yeah. And it's not always a pretty process, but... If the sausage is going to be made, do you know where I'm going to eat some of that? Yeah, Reino Barbecue. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you I can love do that in uh, Plainview, in Amarillo, uh, but most often in Olden Tech. I love that you and Keith kept the uh, the great segues as well. Thank you. We tried. Y'all did a good job at that. Yes, RehinoBBQ.com. Follow them on social media as well. They're on Instagram, Twitter, so you can find out where their mobile truck is going. Or you can just go to the home base in Olton, Texas. Short, beautiful drive from Lubbock. They do have really good sausage. They've got good burgers, brisket, ribs, everything else as well. Poppers. Poppers. So check out our friends at Rahino Barbecue. If you'd rather eat the sausage, then see how the sausage gets made. I have one more point on this, Rob. The Pac-12, and let me finish because I'm not going where you think I'm going. Pac-12 media rights expires in the summer of 2023. I think the Texas and OU to the SEC stuff is um, not related to, but I think that coinciding at the same time as potentially USC, Oregon, UCLA bolting to the Big Ten could act as like just a second catalyst to be a reset before the end of 2024. So I could see if the Big Ten poaches the Pac-12 in the summer of 2023 or slightly before then, I could see the TV networks essentially just negotiating some kind of deals like, okay, Texas and OU to the SEC in 23, USC, UCLA, Oregon to the Big Ten in 2023, and then you know Arizona, Arizona State to the Big 12 in 2023, whatever they want to come up with. Yep. But I, I think that this is not all going to happen in a vacuum. If the Pac-12 just stands pat at 12 and renews, then I think Texas and OU are still kind of in a bind. But if there's a huge college football-wide landscape shift in the summer of 2023, I could see that ushering them out the door a little bit sooner. It does seem like through this last kind of movement, there's one or two more shoes to drop. 
because the Big 12 doesn't seem finished. The Pac-12 was basically like, well, we don't want to expand yet. And then they completely shut down talks of expansion. And then the Big Ten was going to add somebody for a month and a half and then was just like, oh, never mind, we're going to do a um, – what do they call it? An alliance. And then they signed the richest TV deal in the history of TV deals with collegiate sports. So yeah, it seems like one more thing is going to happen, one more big thing. And it could yeah. be that. It could be the Big Ten expansion. And to me, if you're the Big Ten, to twenty. Well, so I mean, if you surely they cut some first, right? Like you're no, cutting Rutgers. No, they won't cut anybody. But it, oh. but if you see the the way the SEC is going, which will now have appeal from Texas all the way over to Florida, and everywhere in between. You know, it's not quite a national conference, but it may as well because it's going to carry a ton of national weight. If you're the Big Ten and you want to poach. Now seems like the time to do it. You'd be a coast-to-coast conference. Yeah, I guess New York you, to LA. I guess you could wait on the ACC if you wanted Virginia, North Carolina, Georgia Tech. But maybe they're way into it. Yeah, they've got a long ways to go before their grant of rights is up. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, if they want to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak, while the SEC adds Texas and OU, two huge brands, they need to go now and get USC, UCLA, yeah. Oregon. I don't know if the fourth would be Colorado, just as kind of a bridge to like Nebraska and the rest of the Big Ten. Gets you Denver. I mean, that's a super fast-growing area. They want Stanford, right? I don't know. Yeah, so they could add – Stanford would go, but – Washington, Oregon, Stanford, Colorado, USC, UCLA. That would be six. That would get them to 20. And the SEC would be at 16. And then I think some folks in the ACC start jumping ship because if you're north they if you're could a brand have like florida florida state miami clemson georgia tech north carolina SEC. virginia um that gets I think them to 20 would disperse to both of those conferences yeah sheesh so yeah interesting stuff but anyway all that to say i think that the movement with the pac-12 and the big 10 potentially uh, that would be about a year from now right um could influence when and how texas and ou leave yeah. Huh. I still think uh independent of all that they are they're not going to wait around for another year after this year. I still think it's out there. Did you see uh Lincoln Riley's quotes? Mm-mm. Uh the what was it? Uh, too long didn't read TLDR. Oh yeah. Basically he said that he was never going to be able to build a championship roster at Oklahoma because he went to the playoff four times and had the worst player, the worst roster in the playoff three times. Mm-hmm. He's by right. A pretty, pretty wide gap. He's right, by the way. Yeah. I agree. Can he build it at USC? Feels like it. I was thinking about this, and we don't have to dive into all this, but as I was watching the college baseball postseason, I was really sincerely cherishing the level of parity in that sport, that East Carolina is hosting a Super Regional and had a legitimate shot to go to Omaha and win the whole thing. Tennessee, the team everybody thought was untouchable, doesn't even make it to Omaha. There are 
God, 50 college baseball programs plus that very realistically could win a national championship. Right. There are five college football programs, I feel like. Eight, if you if you went on potential, I'd say, okay, USC could. Um, Bama, LSU, Georgia, Florida, Ohio State, Clemson, Notre Oregon. Dame. Oregon. Uh, Notre even, Dame hasn't been close even when they've gotten there. Yeah, even those are like fringe. And it takes some of the luster out of the sport. When you know, like, there is nothing in the world Joey McGuire and Zach Hitley and the whole gang could do next year to win a national championship. It's just, it's just not going to happen. It is almost literally impossible. And you're not alone. There's like 55 other Power 5 programs are in the same boat as you. Even if an Oklahoma State or Baylor last year had made the college football playoff, you're getting trounced by Georgia or Alabama in round one. Yes. It's just the reality. So I don't know what the answer is. I wish college football had as much parity as college basketball, college baseball did. But anyway, I'll get off my soapbox there. Beautiful sport, man. Hey. How, how can you not be romantic about baseball? Yeah. Um. Wanted to plug real quick. We had a very special guest here in the Cardinal Sports Center studio a couple weeks ago. Former Texas Tech offensive lineman, Cody Campbell. His name is now on the field, thanks to a generous contribution. Current member of the Board of Regents as well. We are building a Patreon website that is designed to give you added benefits as a listener to the Gambling Gauchos. You get early access to our public episodes exclusive access to private episodes, access to our Discord server. And we just announced we are donating a portion of all proceeds that come through Patreon to the Matador Club to go right back to supporting Texas Tech student-athletes. Here's a quick clip of Cody Campbell when he joined us a couple weeks ago to talk about all sorts of things, his playing career, his thoughts on Joey McGuire, facilities at Texas Tech, NIL. Here's a preview, and if you want to unlock the full episode, as well as our other interviews. As I mentioned, um, I'm a fourth generation um, uh, Red Raider. My great grandfather was on the very first football team at Texas Tech in 1925. And my dad played football at Tech. My brother played baseball at Tech. And so it's just, you know, it's a very meaningful thing to my family. And I, I know how important Tech football is, in particular, to the community in West Texas and in Lubbock in particular. And so um, I, um, I just wanted to do something for it. And, you know, it's been so meaningful to my family that I, I just wanted to, to give back. And so, you know, having my a name on the field, um, you know, it, linemen often don't get their numbers retired. They don't get, you know, um, their name up in the stadium. But having an offensive lineman's name on that field is kind of special in a way to me because, um, you know, my I don't have any eligibility left, but I can still be out there with those guys in a way. And, um, and so it you know, it's just a pretty awesome opportunity and, you know, one that I really, you know, had the means to do it. And, you know, it's just something I, I could not do. Um, so as far as plans go, they're fairly advanced. Um, you know, they, they're, they're, it's, and they're very cool. Um, they, everybody's going to be extremely happy with it. It's a world-class national class type project. Um, we're going to have the nicest, best facilities in the conference. And we've raised a ton of money beyond what I've given. Um, so it's going to happen. Um, the reason that it's taken a little longer is because we'd originally, um, 
plan to stage it out. So do the football training facility first and then do the south end zone. But we've been able to get the funding in place to do both at the same time, which makes a lot more sense in, turn along, in terms of the long-term planning and um, just the ultimate um, product. And so they sort of rejiggered things and, and planned them together. And guys, it, it is sweet. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what the timeline is. In fact, I'm meeting with somebody tomorrow on it. Um, but I, I think in, you know, some point this summer, um, everybody will get to see what we're, what we've been working on. It is, it is absolutely incredible. Again, that was Cody Campbell. Uh, very excited about the South end zone. I, I wanted the scoop there, Kyle. I wanted the scoop. He was so close. I also think he wanted to do it. I also think there legitimately some stuff still yet to be determined. So I don't know. It is good that they've raised the funds for both projects together and they're going to do them together. I hope they're cohesive. Yeah. Yeah, And by cohesive, by cohesive, I mean legitimately cohesive to where you basically tear down the South end and open that sucker up all the way to the football facility. And that road is gone and you're just like can walk in and out right there. And there's a hall of fame and all kinds of stuff in the area. Rob, I misspoke earlier when I Uh-oh. said that uh, when I said that it was the off season. Yeah. Cause the Lubbock Matadors are still in action. That's true. Uh, I think they've gone one and one since we last recorded um, a long stretch on the road. They're back at home. I think for the next three games, I think they were one and two, Kyle. I couldn't remember. I know they won. They double dipped this week. They played on Thursday and Saturday. That's tough. That's a tough turnaround. That's a tough road trip, man. In Laredo and Brownswood. Seeing these clips of them on the road, they've got like these other Brownsville. Brownwood. Brownwood is. Brownwood does not have an NPSL team. I'm pretty sure. Brownsville Brownsville might. Yeah. Um. Those Lubbock crowds kind of put these opposing crowds to shame. Not even close, really. Like 50 to 100 times more people at a game in Lubbock. You're not even – that's not hyperbole at all. No. It, it's a special home atmosphere. It really is a lot of fun. You and I have both been out there at Lowry Field. If you haven't been yet, go get tickets for the game. This Saturday is Ted Lasso night. Um, they're giving out 1,000 mustaches to the first 1,000 fans. If you need them. Because it, you uh, shaved your mustache. Yeah, I was at a. The, I thought the, you were. Uh, thought yeah, you were going for that. Yeah, I was. I can go back out, so it's no big deal. In three days. Uh, I don't know about that, but it wouldn't <laughs> look very robust you in have three six days. days. Yeah, Saturday. Um. So anyway, 18th. go check them out. LubbockMatadors.com. You can gear up for the Matadors at Cardinals. They've got some cool kits and all that good stuff. And I think we're going to do a player interview this week ahead of that game, so keep an eye out for that. Kyle, if it's Monday, how many days away is Saturday? Five. Okay. I agree. Is that a trick question? No, it's just there's some, like, what's the first day of the week? and Oh, like? Like Monday to Monday is seven days. Hmm. Like Not eight. Some legalese. Yeah. People just talk weird. Yeah. What is the first day of the week? I think Monday. Somebody told me it was Sunday yeah. and I No, because then it's the weekend. Yeah, I was like, no, Sunday's the end of the weekend. And then yeah. your week starts on Monday. 
Yeah, it makes no sense to say Sunday is the first day of the week. Monday is the first day of the week. Look at a calendar. Sunday's in the far left column. I don't know. That doesn't yeah, jive with me. We're we're in the real world, Kyle. Yeah, no, I agree. Monday's the first day of the week. I also treat Thursday like that's basically the weekend. Huh. On on Thursday it's when you're off Friday. On yeah. Thursday when you're off work, it's the weekend. And like you have to yeah. go back to work on Friday, but that's like it's Friday. So you're there. To me on Thursday at five thirty. It's the weekend until Monday at eight a.m. That's how I. So you're in. So you're in favor of the four day work week. Yeah, but then Thursday would be the weekend, and it'd be a a three day work week, (laughs) essentially. No, but you still. Anyways. Anyways, um, you want to talk basketball roster news that just broke earlier today? Yeah. So the uh, scholarships are done. Are they? Allegedly. Is it is it basically down to now either Nadolny is number 13 or number 13 is open? Yes. Okay. But that's, that's as far as we know, Nadolny is still uh, yeah. on campus, yeah. If Haven't not on heard. campus, then available to be on campus in the fall. Haven't heard otherwise. So that's 13 scholarships. Yeah. Am I boring you, Kyle? No. Remember, I'm a I'm a new father, so sorry. Sometimes I just yawn throughout the day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 13 scholarships, and uh, let's just talk about Kerwin for a second. Okay, Kerwin Walton from uh, North Carolina. Go Tar Heels! I've seen a lot of uh, people say automatic starter, big addition, huge mamba jamba. Let's just yep. look at the facts, Kyle. People were, saying, people were saying huge mamba jamba. Yeah, let's just look at the facts. Okay. The dude played 13 minutes a game with North Carolina last year when they were good. Started one game, three points per game. I mean, do those sound like Texas Tech quality transfer to come in and make an immediate impact? Day one. Or well, does it sound like maybe eighth guy on the bench, huge role, carve it out, there's an opportunity, but day one starter just does not seem right to me. Are you going to be upset if I push back on this? No. Okay. When have I, I am, ever gotten upset at you, though? Hardly ever. <laughs> I am not saying that I agree with the takes of automatic starter. What I will say is this. Just add a little bit of context to the numbers you just read off. North Carolina – second half of this year, basically had a six-man rotation. He was not in that rotation, which obviously did not not lend itself to minutes played or filling up a stat sheet. But as a freshman, he shot a pretty high percentage from three at volume. I think either set the North Carolina record for three-point percentage with a certain minimum shots or total number of three-pointers made in a season. So like, there is some definite three-point potential there. Um, I think if you exclude freshmen, and I want to reiterate that I think of the freshmen you're bringing in, um, I expect probably two of them to be hits as far as playing right away, but you don't want to count on that. Right. You're, sen- you're essentially looking for a starting wing across from Jalen Tyson. And as far as guys with any amount of experience, that's either Kerwin Walden or Demarion Williams. 
Now, I agree with you. As of today, I would project Damarian Williams to be the starter at that other guard spot. If a Elijah Fisher or um, Washington Isaacs don't just really emerge as a freshman who can play immediately like Jemias Ramsey. So having said that, I could see it going either way. If it's the case that Mark Adams and staff really prioritize experience and it comes down to him or Demarion Williams, I could see him, if he impresses this offseason, working his way into a starting role. Or I could see what you're saying where he doesn't quite develop into what they want him to be. He's strictly a three-point shooter who comes in for eight to 12 minutes a game. I'll also say this. Okay. Um, if you just gave me Adonis Arms' resume when he transferred in last year, I would have said, yeah, that's your 10th guy on the bench. He was a starter six-man type throughout the year, depending on who was available. So I'm not saying every guy who comes in under the radar automatically turns into a starter, but I, I just, I, basically what I'm saying is that it's a major cop-out. I don't know what Kerwin Walton will be. Kerwin Walton will either be Adonis Arms or Sardar Calhoun. Power five transfer coming in. Everyone thought he would take a leap at Texas Tech. He did not. He did not earn minutes. He left. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Kerwin Walton will leave if he doesn't earn minutes, but like those are kind of the two, and they're not like the same player. I'm not saying that. They're just right. like as a power five transfer, you're either going to immediately step up and be in a role as a role player or a starter or kind of fade away like Joel and Tomboy and Sadar Calhoun and yeah. other guys who've come. Buzo. I mean, I could I could see this guy being just like Buzo. The three-point potential is there, but the defensive rotations don't click well enough, and so he can't find enough minutes. And, and he played a lot as a freshman in Roy Williams' system. And then the system flips. You're with the new guy. It's Hubert Davis. So maybe yeah. there's something there, too. There was a coaching change. I, I will say – I, I like the the volume of three point shooters that they took this class. Yes, I think overall that was probably your biggest Achilles heel last season. Um, so you know, I to an extent, of course, trust Steve Green to identify the type of player that would work in his system. Maybe right. Kerwin Walton wasn't a fit in Hubert Davis's system, but is in Steve Green's system. And when I say a fit, that could be eighteen minutes a game. It could be twenty eight minutes a game. That's probably up to Kerwin Walton to some extent. But just looking top to bottom on the roster, I think it's undeniable that there's a lot more three-point shooting potential than there was last season. Uh, I don't know if he'll yes. be as elite defensively because there was so much length and athleticism top to bottom last season. But and you, you had know, a, it's part of the a trade-off. national defensive player of the year candidate. Right. Yeah, that's part of the trade-off. He's, like it, He's not here anymore. Yeah, and if McCuller could shoot forty percent from three with his defensive makeup, he'd, he'd be a, still be here. He'd, or he'd be a lottery pick, you know. But fact yeah. of the matter is, a lot of guys they've got some aspects of the game they lack others, and you you do the best you can. But I you know I think you could have a starting lineup next year where one through five are all guys that are anywhere ranging from you can't leave them alone from three to they're really good three point shooters and they'll make you pay. Like if starting lineup go, uh, Devion Harmon at the one. And yeah. I think he might be your worst three-point shooter at 36 or 37%, which is a great spot to be in if that's your worst guy. Because that was like your best guy a lot of times last season. Yeah. De- Devion Harmon at the one. I'll go Demarion Williams and Jalen Tyson on the wings. 
O'Banner four, Fardaz five. Agreed. And if it's Fisher or Washington or Kerwin Walton in the place of uh, Damari Williams, one of those four will start. And then Pop will be the the next 20 minutes off the the point guard position if if he's good enough, right? Because you got to yeah. get here and be good enough yeah. first. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm excited to see the competition for the wing spots. I do think Jalen Tyson is a starter. But the way I look at it, if you have a true point guard, which I, I would imagine the way things are trending right now, you have Devion Harmon going 26 or 28 minutes, and then Nadolny or Pop subbing behind him for the remainder. So the way I see it, unlike last year where you didn't really have a true point guard and you had three wings just kind of rotating, you have two wings rotating, so they're splitting 80 minutes. Let's say Jalen Tyson gets 28 of those. You're looking at... 25 a piece or so um, yeah. among the other two. So really, even whoever the odd man out is, like if Damarian Williams just edges out Washington or Fisher for that starting spot, the sixth man could still get 26 to 28 minutes a game. Um, and then Bacho is your first post player off the bench. Yeah, I'm sure there's some rotations where there's you're playing small ball a little bit and you have three wings mm-hmm. without a banner on the floor. And basically Jalen Tyson's playing the four at times. You want or whoever else you did that a lot, a lot last year. You want maybe a hot take? Sure. I'm trying to think of how to frame this, but if there was a player who I think could have the biggest impact on the team by exceeding expectations, I'm going with incoming freshman Robert Jennings because he, to me, looks like a tweener. Yeah. Where he could play the three with O'Banner at the four. Or like you're saying, if you go small ball and those are your two post players, gives you a lot of versatility. I don't know exactly what kind of game he has, but if he shows up at an athletic 6'7", 6'8", and can play the wing or the post, because Bacho can't play the wing. You know, like Bacho right. goes in. It's like if KJ Allen had a jump shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what I view too. Yeah, that's kind of what I view him as. It's like a KJ Allen positionless tweener maybe with a better all-around game or all-around athleticism. I know KJ Allen can dunk like crazy, but that, that's a that's the name I'm looking at. I think Pop Isaac's got a lot of the attention from the freshman class, Elijah Fisher as well, now that he's coming. But if Jennings is one of those sneaky guys who's like, they're in camp and they're like, hey, this kid can play. and He can go 16 to 20 minutes a game. I'm not saying he can or can't. I think that would have a huge impact on this team compared to if, like let's say Pop Isaacs is a dude that's great, but you already have Devion Harmon, and so you can run two point guards out there at the same time, but I don't know how much that really helps you in the grand scheme of things. So Jennings is a guy that I'm really pulling for if he is ready immediately. Speaking of Patreon, we've got some uh, Discord questions if you want to jump into them. Sure. Are the uh, Discord questions sponsored by anybody? Do you want to do an ad read? Is that what that's what I'm asking? Yeah, yeah, I got you. I was trying to get there with you. So Discord is kind of like to... a new technology. And right. so there's like some coding on the back end that makes Discord yeah, a that, usable that app. Better. I so, was trying to go with yeah, I was trying to go with something else. Somebody slanders you in the Discord. Yeah. Who are you gonna call? But, we'll get yeah. we'll get there. Uh Code Ninjas 
<laughs> you like broke my brain trying to get to that. Anyways, go ahead. Code Ninjas. I'll put you yeah, on the great. spot. Code Ninjas teaches kids ages 5 to 14 how to level up their coding, STEM, and engineering skills all in a fun and hands-on environment. They've got the year-round programs, but right now they've got a litany, a litany, Rob, of summer programs available for the Ninos and they're week-long all summer. These camps use technology that your kids already love, like Legos, Minecraft, Roblox, to expand their skills, creativity, and confidence. As you alluded to last episode, build a game controller out of bananas, shoot an animated movie, start a YouTube channel or a Patreon account, like patreon.com slash gamblinggauchos, create and print in 3D or design a charging robot rhino. And of course, because Code Ninjas loves gambling gauchos so much, and we love them back, Mm-hmm. Gambling Gouchers listeners get a $10 off promo code when you check out and use the promo code Gauchos. CodeNinjas.com. That's available at any Lubbock location, the promo code. 806-370-0022. Like I said, ton of offerings for the summer. Keep the kids busy. Keep them learning in a fun environment. Code Ninjas. Love it. Okay, what do we have from Discord? Is Tyler Shuck going to be the starting quarterback? That's the first one. Well, you already tweeted that QB one was Q, that QB one was looking good. Yeah, he was. I'm asking yeah. you first. Game one is Tyler Shuck the starter. Yeah, I'd probably take that even at like you know minus two hundred, minus three hundred. Game five. Um. If you gave me Shuck or the field at even odds, game five. I might go the field. Okay. Just because you start off with a tough stretch, could get yes. hurt. Injury risk. I don't know. I, I hope he's playing well through five games and it's still there. I'm obviously game not rooting for anybody to get injured. but Game eight. Yeah, I mean, the further along you go, the less likely. Hammer in the field. Um. If Tyler Shook's the day one starter, I am all in on him being the starter the entire year. Because yeah. that means he's playing well. Yeah, 100%. You know, in a way, th- this is a beauty of having a tough non-con schedule. You're not going to learn anything about the team by playing Murray State, yeah. go racers. But Houston and North Carolina State should tell you quite a bit, I would think. Those are yeah. two teams that are right there in the caliber of the middle of the Big 12 most years. So it, it kind of gives you a clean slate. I mean, I want to win the non-con games, but if you need to make a change before game four, um, you should have a pretty good inkling that that needs to happen versus Was the years sh- where, where you play Eastern Washington right? and, you know, whoever else. Montana State? Yeah. Was the struggle last year against SFA Shuck struggle or Cumbie struggle? Because there was like a fourth down with no tight ends and empty. And he just stays in the play, and they're obviously blitzing, and he gets smoked, and he fumbles. I think, like, is that a shuck problem or a cumby problem? I think when you play a game that you don't deserve to win against SFA, it's not one coordinator or one player. Right. You scored, I don't remember the final score, 
Um, Taj Brooks scored a 62-yard touchdown. And I think Ezukama had a really long touchdown that was like a little bit lucky. It's on a third play. Yeah, it was third and 10, and he just gets behind the defense. I don't know what happened. If those two plays don't materialize, you you probably deserve to lose the SFA even with those two plays materializing. Yes, you did. So, anyway, I say all that to say it wasn't just Chuck or Kelby. Like, the whole team probably deserves some heartburn there. Yeah, I just – that game seemed more on coaching than playing. Neither were good. Yeah. Not to speak ill of the – those who've left us behind, but yeah. So somebody asks, if yes, will he be the starter the entire season? I'm going to say no, only because you haven't had a starter for the entire season since 2015, Patrick Mahomes. Am I correct on 16. that? 16. No, he got hurt. Shimanek started a game, right? Nope. He just came in for Kansas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. Never he didn't started start one. that game. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he should he should have started the Iowa State game. Yeah. He should have started against Kansas State too, probably in that 16th season. Yeah. But DeAndre Washington went Superman mode. So, yeah. I mean, just with the frequency of quarterback injuries we've seen lately, it's, I'm, I'm in the I'll believe it when I see it camp as far as. Well, even through like the rest of the Big 12. Brock Purdy was the only quarterback maybe last year that started all of the games. I'll say this too. Um, Donovan Smith looked extremely durable to me. He got hit, and he also laid the lumber on some guys and always popped back up. Um, Mahomes, that season you're talking about, I think at the end was playing with a sprained shoulder, a broken wrist, and a sprained knee. So he was just going to play. But guys like Bowman, you don't sense that same durability. I'm not saying Shuck is as – I don't want to say fragile, but – Right. You know, you, you just don't know. And so, yeah. unless Shuck just struck me as an extremely durable guy like Mahomes, Donovan Smith, I'd err on the side of, like, yeah, I guess it's more likely than not that he misses at least one game due to injury because that seems to be the norm most of the time. Yeah. Agreed. I would take the field on uh, – I mean, if you give me any of the three quarterbacks, I would take the field on if they started all 12 games. We had another question. Uh, it wasn't when we asked for questions, but um, in the Discord, which you can get access to if you subscribe to our Patreon, portions go to the Matador Club. He asked, I, he said, I just finished the latest episode of The Brand. I'm enjoying it. Do you all know if other schools do similar things? I know Kansas does on ESPN+. Plus. It used to be called uh, Miles to Go, but uh, less miles, not around anymore. Um, I know Ole Miss does a version that they've th- done for a while. I think I've seen these more on like social media and YouTube type series. Yeah. But I, I think it's pretty rare. It's not exclusive to Texas Tech, but it's it, it's a good marketing tool for sure. Yeah. Um, especially a first-year head coach. You know, This was something I heard when Cliff was here. People really wanted to be behind Cliff and support the team. And he was not quite winning enough to get that buy-in. And if, if you're not winning quite enough, you can make up for it by being very visible in the community, offering a lot of access to the program. That wasn't his cup of tea either. 
No. Now, you can be cold-blooded, cold-hearted, no access to the program if you're winning nine to ten games. But I think it's a good move for Joey in year one as he's establishing some credibility and reputation with the fan base to open the doors and do things like this. So, And hopefully they're still doing stuff like this if he gets this thing rolling and we do win nine or ten games. But even if that doesn't quite materialize, I think it's a very smart move. I think he knows what he's doing as CEO of a modern college football program. Certainly feels that way. Because, I mean, Cliff wouldn't even tweet. No. So, and, and I love Cliff. I'm not trying to like dog Cliff, but he was right. He was an introvert, and that's fine. But the fans, they want a taste of the action. So, they want a taste of the glory. Uh, Cliff, after he was mercil- mercilessly made fun of for his uh, two turned university Beyonce ice bucket challenge, really, <laughs> really closed it out after that. He didn't really put much more effort into it after that one. Yeah, it just wasn't him. You got razzed too much for that or what? Yeah, I think I think that was square peg, round hole. Like, I mean, basically the only thing you heard during the Kingsbury era in the summer was like guys punching holes through windshields. You know who he could have called? Yeah, Barnett, Howard, and Williams. Now, whether you've been accused of smashing in someone's windshield or you suffer catastrophic injury to your fist from allegedly punching in someone's windshield. Right. The only folks to call are three double Texas tech graduates. They're officed in Fort Worth, but they handle cases all across Texas. One of the only law firms in the Lone Star state certified for title nine student representation. They defended students, including scholarship athletes and title nine litigation at all major universities in Texas. Barnett, Howard and Williams, handles catastrophic injury cases across the state. And for listeners in the DFW area, they handle criminal defense and family law matters. The Barnett, Howard, and Williams Law Firm hopes you never need them, but they are in your corner if you do. You can find out more by visiting their website, bhwlawfirm.com. Great, guys. Great, guys. Um, speaking of Nacho Libre, we're getting down to the needy greedy on the greatest Red Raider of all time bracket. Yeah. Are we going to do a movie quote bracket? Thanks. Yeah. Hey, it's, it's middle of June. So we got to find something to yeah. tweet. Get that car out of my face. Get that cone out of my face. I'm a man of science. I want, I want to give our listeners a chance to hear our debate on this. Yeah. And I've, I've compiled. Hey, whoa. Oh, sorry. The shirt you're wearing. I saw a guy on TikTok wearing that shirt the other day. Really? Some OG Gambling Gauchos merch. We've uh, glowed up, yeah. as the kids say, at Cardinals. We've come a long way since this shirt. Yeah, that, the, the initial run of Gambling Gauchos merch. You know what I also just realized? What did you just realize? I'm an awful person. You that just realized that? that? Yeah. Thank you, Kyle. <laughs> How long have you known? <laughs> Are you going to bring up the Hill Center gym? You know, yeah. That guy sent us two hats, and I never sent one back to him. Oh, shoot. I will. Hey, if you're listening, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i DM that guy today. We could also send I'm him gonna a, send him a sh- I'm going to send him a shirt, too. I was going to say, there's more stock of shirts. I think they might be out of hats at Cardinals. I don't want to speak for their interview. Okay. Well, last we'll time I was there, there's out. more shirts. Than, yeah. That'd be a nice touch. Give him a shirt. That was that was my bad. I, I meant to do that that day, and then... 
what, what's Jeez. funny is I've thought about that like three times, but I forgot to text you about it to be like, hey, do we still have those yeah. helmets? But no. Um. Any, anyway, yeah. I want our listeners to have a chance to hear our thoughts on this before we open the voting. And I've got a couple bones to pick with the fan base. As far as being closed-minded based on one metric. Yeah. Uh, Cheryl Swoops won the national championship. Okay, so did Devine Odaduru, and he didn't even make it this far. Right. Oh, she's got the Olympic medals too. Okay, Sally Kipiego, national champions and Olympic medals. She's not even in it anymore. So if that's all we're going off of, there's some people, you know, Michael Crabtree doesn't have an Olympic medal. He's in here. Anyway, I digress. I encourage people to be open-minded and consider the totality of the resume. In the Scarlet region, on the football side of the bracket, we have Michael Crabtree, Texas Tech Ring of Honor. You can make a case, most productive, best college wide receiver of all time. First back-to-back Plitnikoff winner ever. Yes. Versus Gabe Rivera, Southwest Conference Defensive Player of the Year in the early 80s, also Texas Tech Ring of Honor, both first-round draft picks in the NFL. Tough Tough choice because, you know, you got modern versus throwback, offense, defense. Um, wh- how are both, you leaning on this one? Both were on Dave Campbell's uh, magazine, but only one for the preview episode or preview initial run. The summer yeah. run, there was a fall one and the summer one. Uh, Crabtree was on the, the summer one. You going Crabtree or Senior I would lean. I would lean Crabtree of the two. I would vote Crabtree. I think so too. I, I, I think I really do think there's a legitimate case to be made that he is the greatest college football wide receiver of all time. He played two yes. years. Yeah. Can you imagine a third year just like averaging his production from the first two? Yeah. I mean, or God forbid, a fourth. I mean, you talk about shattering NCAA records. His right. two year stats over three years would get a guy drafted, over four years would get a guy drafted. I mean, they're insane. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know how much people weight this, but solid NFL career. Never quite became an elite receiver in the NFL, but if he was the number yeah. two receiver on a team, that was, you know, you could you could build an he offense. He played like that. 10 years. Yeah, 7,500 yards in the NFL, nothing to sneeze at. I'm going with Crabtree. I don't know how much people value this, but like the big moment, of course, the catch versus Texas, things like that stick in people's minds as far as legacy goes. Right. I think he'll win. I'm going to vote for him. I think that'd be the right choice. Same. Um, the black region, the other elite eight matchup on the football side of the bracket, Patrick Mahomes versus Zach Thomas. And this one, this one is tougher for me. It is because Mahomes is still, you know, young. I mean, Zach Thomas has a complete career to look at which is why I would lean Zach Thomas today. But if you allowed me to be 10 years in the future, I I would say Mahomes probably because of what I think he's going to do. Uh, But today I would lean Zach Thomas and I would vote Zach Thomas um, in a poll. Zach Thomas should be in the Hall of Fame. He should. Um, I'm I'm conflicted on this one. If people are waiting time in college more heavily – I think the answer is Zach Thomas. He played for better teams, and he was Southwest Conference Defensive Player of the Year. Mahomes put up gaudy numbers in college, but 
didn't get recognized with you know awards and achievements like that because Texas Tech didn't win enough games while he was here. Um, is Zach Thomas one of the 15 best middle linebackers in NFL history? Okay. Is Patrick Mahomes one of the best, one of the 10, 15 best quarterbacks? <laughs> um, Today? I'll, I'll answer it this way. I, I'm not answering the heart of your question as far as best in terms of like most accomplished. Uh-huh. If, you, if you're asking me for the three most talented football players, any position, any time period, in uh-huh. some order, I am going Patrick Mahomes, Randy Moss, and Reggie White. Wow. Like, that is how highly I think of how good he is at football. The legacy component isn't there yet, partly because he's 26. But like, yeah. had he won a second Super Bowl already, this would probably be a no-brainer for me. Projecting out 10 years, 15 years, what I think his career will end up looking like, I think I would also That's go... crazy. Mahomes. Randy Moss and Reggie Wyatt. I mean, don't you think, though? Like, Patrick. No, I think Patrick Mahomes is overrated. <laughs> In that sense? Are you... Are you trolling me right now? No, dude. Name a more talented quarterback. I would maybe hear Aaron Rodgers on this. Other than that, I, I, more talented quarterback than Patrick Mahomes in any era. Go. Man. Reggie White, Randy Moss. Name one. Name a more talented quarterback. I mean, those are like high praises. They're the most talented guys to ever play their respective positions. I agree. Who's the more talented quarterback than Patrick Mahomes? I mean, I think Patrick Rose has been in the perfect position, perfect team for his skills, the perfect receivers that fit those skills. Mm-hmm. We'll see how, how he can do this year. Okay. So who's the more talented quarterback than Patrick Mahomes? Man, well, let, I just, I'll phrase I it to you this way. That's a little bit of a homer take. I'll give you a homer. I just try to be anti-homer. I'll give you a homework assignment. Go find a throw that Tom Brady – Peyton Manning, Roger Staubach, Joe Montana, any of them, go find a throw that they made that you could look me in the eye and say, Patrick Mahomes can't make that throw. I could find you 10 in Patrick Mahomes' young four- or five-year career that I know Tom Brady cannot make. Patrick, but... And I know we're debating different things here. But Tom Tom Brady puts Most talented for Super Bowl wins. Tom Brady's defense has also put him in a great position. Like he won a Super Bowl twelve okay. to three one okay. time. Yeah, and that was late in his career. And I'm not going on a Brady is overrated. I'm not arguing with seven Super Bowls or however many he has. I'm not talking uh, legacy. I'm talking most talent. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm not. I was kind of joking when I said he's over. Patrick was overrated, but I'm just not ready to. I just need to see more. Right? You he- you hesitated when I asked if Zach Thomas was one of the 15 best middle linebackers of all time. Well, I just was kind of seeing. Mahomes has the highest quarterback rating in NFL history. <laughs> yeah. With a minimum of 1,000 pass attempts. In the, it's yes. a big enough sample size. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> in, in an era where you can't play defense, yes. Okay, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Stafford, Tom Brady are all playing in the same era. True, true. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, go find me the throw that Peyton Manning made that Patrick Mahomes can't. Anyway, I hey Peyton Manning threw a lot of ducks. He threw a lot of ducks for touchdowns. <laughs> Having said all that, I still don't know who I'm going to vote for. I need to marinate on that more because I 
I would vote Zach Thomas. What, what Zach Thomas did. I love, I love yeah. your energy. I love your energy. <laughs> I love the Patrick Mahomes stand that I've brought out in you right now. I didn't know that was in there. Um, I just, maybe it's a little much for me. I and think, I'm like the biggest Patrick Mahomes fan I thought I knew. But now you have surpassed me bar none. I think this, another thing is just like, I'm like, I, I don't know. This I'm is about the second time you, today I've brought up that Patrick Mahomes might be overrated. I'm about to give you a sincere I don't know take. how to feel about it. Okay. In the NBA, it's pretty much undisputed that either Michael Jordan or LeBron James, I think that's one and, and two. Uh, right. are, are the greatest players of all time. And what held LeBron back from even being in that discussion for a long time was the rings. MJ had six. LeBron had none for a while. LeBron has four now. So I think I've never been of the mindset that LeBron has to get to six in order to get MJ. Right. Just like MJ didn't need to get 10 to catch Bill Russell. Um, it is obviously going to be a tall task for Mahomes to get to seven Super Bowls. Assuming Brady doesn't win another, he's, Still could, right? Um, I think if Mahomes gets to four, I think they're assuming he puts up the numbers we think he's going to put up between now and then. I think there's a reasonable conversation to be had. If he throws 46 touchdowns and 5,000 yards this year, uh, he he'll break several records and he only played one game his first year through five years in the NFL. Yeah. No, he's already he's on a ridiculous pace. He's already been first to, you know, every number imaginable. Yeah. He's um, really good. I just he has not I lost. bristle I bristle at the like he's a Hall of Famer takes now because I mean if he blows out his knee tomorrow, right? Knock on wood he doesn't. Yeah. It just all that stuff is you know what I'm saying? They they debated this after his one year as a or second year as a starter when he won the Super Bowl, he said if he retired, right, tomorrow, he would be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. I think probably. I mean, how many Super Bowl MVPs are not Hall of Famers? Especially like record setting. Anyway, yeah. um, what was I gonna say? Oh, he has not lost a postseason game in regulation before the Super Bowl. Nobody has knocked him out in 60 minutes before the Super Bowl. Yeah, he's really good. And what stings, I'll be honest here, what stings is the head-to-head loss to Brady in the Super Bowl yep. and the, the choke job. I don't think it was all on Mahomes, but the Chiefs choke job last against Burrow. I mean, they were way better than the Bengals. Yep. Anyway, uh, moving on. Victory Bills region. Cheryl Swoops seems to be the favorite against Wes Kitley. Yep. Now, yeah, I'm Swoops. Now, here's where I want to push back on some people. Why would you say okay. swoops? Because of the natty? I, I, got- I just – this no, this whole time I've held players in a higher – I just think in this kind of thing, I would, I would say yeah. player over coach. That's fair. I, I think I've seen that sentiment, and, I, and I've said the same to you. The coaches have an advantage because they get to stay yeah. for 30 years. Right. A lot of people say, Shell Swoops won a national championship. Okay. Um, so did Wes Kitley. Right. Uh, Wes Kitley has coached eight Olympic medalists. Cheryl Swoops, of course, has three gold medals of her own. Right. Wes, Wes Kitley has coached 17 individual national champions, 205 All-Americans, 
111 Big 12 champions, six-time conference or regional coach of the year awards, Lone Star Conference Hall of Fame. So the people would just go, oh, Natty, voted for Shell Swoops. I would have to just dispute that based on what's on Wes Kitley's resume appears to be comparable. Now he coached it right. instead of playing it, but anyway. But having said all that, I'll go with Cheryl Swoops. I just don't think it's as cut and dry as some people make it out to be. Um, last one is this one is interesting. I'll be curious your thoughts on this. The Fearless Champions region. Yeah. Marsha Sharp, who as you've noted, has a freeway named after her in Lubbock. Right. Yeah. There's Tim Tadlock, who does not have a freeway named after him in Lubbock. Yeah, I was about and to say, we're driving around on the Tadlock Avenue. Yeah, is, is that your only metric you use, the, the Tadlock Turnpike? Yeah. Until, until you know, Loop 88 is named after Tim Tadlock. I'm going on the, uh, the Marsha Sharp bandwagon. You're really not going to engage in a more serious, nuanced conversation than that? No. She's a national championship coach. What is harder to win a national championship in a sport where very few programs at the time really made an effort to compete or going to Omaha and being one of the final eight teams out of 300 plus? Yeah. Four times? 14, 16, 18, yeah, four times. Which one is more impressive? As far as top of the resume. Winning a national championship. If there were two women's college basketball teams and you won the national championship, that's yeah. more impressive to you than really. Are there only two? No, but I'm using that to illustrate the broader point. Okay. I think you're using it to make your point sound better, but uh, you're not going to change well, my am. mind. Like, okay, if Texas Tech wins the Big 12 in football this year, is that more special when they won the border conference going 2-0 and in conference play? I, I think so, yeah. Now, they're both conference championships. You get one banner for both of those. Right. I'm just saying, when people look at Cheryl Swoop's WNBA championships, there were eight teams at the time. Sport was brand new. Like, there was no investment in it, no parity, no competition. I'm not saying no competition, but it's not like a fully formed – NBA 50 years, 100 years in. It was like, we threw it together, and in the expansion year, they won the championship against the other seven teams. To me, that's I'm not saying it's not impressive. I'm saying like that's different right. than w- winning it all in the NFL when you have 32 well-established NFL franchises with a high level of parity, talent across the board. So yeah, Tadlock hasn't gotten over the hump. But making the final eight out of 300-plus four times is impressive to me. I don't know if it's as impressive as winning a national championship. Marsha Sharp yeah, also oh, – go ahead. It's impressive, yeah. Marsha Sharp also – I would say it wasn't impressive. 20 postseason appearances in 24 seasons. Ten of those were in the Sweet 16. Eight times she was either Southwest Conference or Big 12 champion. Like, honestly, the resumes look comparable to me. Marsha Sharp just did it for twice as long as Tadlock has done it for. Right. And that's another thing. It's a career achievement versus in the midst, right? In two more years, it might be easy to say Tadlock because he wins back-to-back national championships. 
Right. And, and that's in what... 10 years, in 10 years, it might be easy to say Tadlock, not because he's won a national championship, but because he just repeats this success and goes to Omaha four times and you're in the elite eight of basketball or baseball eight times yeah. after never having done it. And he might, eight times in 20 years might even have a road named after him by then. I think so. Um, what what road would you name after Tim Tedlock? Mm. Something goes through campus, Flint. Yeah, how about you? You rename the drive of champions. No, no, you, you rename the drive of champions right by, right behind the ballpark. No, we're taking we're taking that down. We're moving that. Well, where have you move it to? Call it the Tadlock Turnpike. Okay. Um. So yeah, and oh, I remember what I was going to say. You did this on KKAM in 2016, I believe. I did. Cheryl Swoops won. She did, and why I thought it would, would be interesting to bring this up, Cheryl Swoops could still definitely win. I think she'd probably be the favorite if we were making odds, but since then, Tadlock has gone to Omaha twice more. Wes Kitley won a national championship. Patrick Mahomes won a Super Bowl MVP, so yeah, there were factors that that changed. Do you know my predictions? Um, yeah, in in these four matchups. No, in the what's what side is Mahomes on? Is he opposite of Swoops? Yes, all the football players. Four? All the football players are opposite non-football Mah- players. Mahomes Swoops, final two. Interesting. Mahomes Crabtree. I, I, definitely, I, I voted for Zach Thomas, but I think the people will vote for Patrick Mahomes. I definitely think Swoops is coming out of her side of the bracket. Yeah. I could see any one. I don't think Gabe Rivera will go all the way. No. I could I could see any one of the other three, Crabtree, Thomas, or Mahomes, getting it. I want to say it was Zach Thomas and Swoops in the final two in 2016. Interesting. Yeah, and, and, and that's another thing. If Zach Thomas – if the NFL had already done right by him and he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, right? Would that, would that change? The, like, I'm on the 100%. fence on this. Mahomes Thomas, if he was in the Hall of Fame, I'd say, okay, that tips the scales for me. Yeah, if he I'm, has I'm a jack saying, in the bust. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, we'll start voting on this this week. We're on a hiatus there as baseball season wrapped up, but super curious to see how this shakes out. Did you ever go to Lone Wolf, Kyle? Driven past it many a time, Rob. Never stopped. You never went into Lone Wolf. That's sad. Yeah. Wrote an ode to Lone Wolf today on KCAM.com. Oh. Big part of my life. Yeah. I once witnessed a domestic dispute at Lone Wolf. Right by uh, Ultimate ultimate punch. Two fists and a foot all at the same time. Oh, wow. Yeah, that happened at, punch at Lone Wolf, yeah. Uh-huh. Between a line cook and his uh, lover that came in. Hmm. Yeah, I assume it was a lover. Anyways, you can read the story on uh, kickcamp.com. <laughs> um, I was partaking in gaucho culture this weekend. Yeah. So Mrs. Jacobson runs a, a side business. She's a, a wedding planner and day of coordinator. Oh. Nice. So on Saturday, she was not home from 9 a.m. to midnight while she was oh, wow. wedding. So I was on with the Gauchita for 15 hours. I watched some 
postseason baseball, watch some Family Guy, but I wanted to watch some movies as well. Uh, you ever seen Young Guns with Emilio Estevez? What do you think of Young Guns? I like it. I it's liked been a it. a long time. So that's what I was going to say. I watched it 15 years ago. Did it hold up? No, I, I remembered it more fondly than when I rewatched it. I was kind of like, oh, I'll need fine. to rewatch it. I'll need to rewatch it. It did I, spur my uh, uh, the Rob Bro show open. Hmm. Yeah. The, uh, I think what I couldn't get over was Emilio Estevez being Billy the Kid. Yeah. Seemed like a strange fit for me. Because I, I think in roles like that, like when Jeff Bridges did True Grit, perfect. Like nailed yeah. it. It was absolutely the right choice for that role. Brewster Cogburn. Well, yeah. I mean, John Wayne was. And then. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm, I mean, when they remade it. Right. Um, so, same thing. I watched Django Unchained. Uh, very, very R-rated movie. I, I was more R-rated than I remember. Yeah. Um, but Jamie Foxx nailed that. Yeah. So, Django was great. Don't recommend it so to anybody. So, Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Yeah, he was good in that one, too. Um, so, it, it was fun. Django's really long. But yes, it I, is. I had, I had 15 movie. hours to burn, so I was fine good with movie. that. <laughs> As far as Tarantino goes, where are you ranking the Django? Mm. It's like top three Tarantino. I think so. Like Reservoir um, Dogs, Eightful Eight. I am. I do not like Pulp Fiction. I've never even got. I've never even gotten all the way through it. I don't like it. That was funny. We're gonna hate on that, but that was funny that in Django. Quentin Tarantino makes an appearance as an actor and gets blown up by dynamite. Yeah. That's an Australian. Am I allowed to say that Django is number one? Yeah. As far as Tarantino? Yeah, I gave it top. I gave it top three. I mean, I'm not I really liked Hateful Eight. Uh, so I'll come clean here. I I haven't seen Inglorious Bastards, but I've heard great things about it. Yeah, that'd be a that'd be a top one. Kill Bill doesn't really do it for me. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying it's movies. bad, but yeah, I um, like Kill Bill. I think Django might be my favorite. So, did I see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I haven't. I haven't oh, seen I haven't seen that one yet either. I need to see that. That's anyway. with uh, Brad Pitt. Yeah. So I'm replacing Song of the Week with Western of the Week. This was great. So I asked Twitter. Hey, give me a, a cowboy or a western themed movie. Got like right. forty five responses. So I watched those two, and like the rest of the summer, I'm going to try to go back to that tweet and read the list and try to watch as many of those as I can. Nice. I'll try to watch uh, Young Guns before we record again. Okay. Yeah. Hope I didn't. Hope you can go in with without my yeah bias clouding your judgment. But I was kind of like, yeah, yeah. Django. Best line of that movie. I, I can't. I can't spoil it because it came out no. ten years ago, right? Yeah. So towards the end, he's a he's exacting his revenge. Of course, he's got a six shooter, and he kills a bunch of people. Yeah. Using uh-huh. six using six bullets, and Samuel L. Jackson is the last guy he needs to 
kill. Right. Samuel L. Jackson goes, I count six shots. And he pulls out another gun and goes, I count two guns. <laughs> Kneecaps him. Make, makes him suffer. And then he blows up the whole house. And yeah. Brutal way to die for yeah, Samuel it's been L. Jackson. A, it's been a long time since I've seen that one, too. It'll be a long time uh, while you're oh, watching. Yeah, that's been on Netflix. Oh. Yeah, a long it was on time. Netflix. You know, I made a mental note earlier this week to not give a song of the week, but give another recommendation. I don't remember what it was. Like you, you did the Western of the week. I had a recommendation, but I don't remember what it was. Hmm. I'm reading through Atomic Habits. Maybe it's a book of the week. Oh. It's a good book. I've heard of that, but um, I might catch some heat for this. The True Grit remake. Is better than the original? Yeah. Maybe that's just because I love Jeff Bridges. Yeah. I don't I don't dislike John Wayne, obviously, but I don't know if I am all the way on board there. But I I that is there's a guy on TikTok that does Jeff Bridges uh, impersonations. Yeah. <laughs> He's do the only want... Jeff Bridges impersonator I've ever seen. Do you want mine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't believe in fairy tales or sermons or stories about money, baby sister, but thanks for the cigarette. It. True Grit is the remake is probably top five for me. Yeah. And, and it might not be like three, four, or five. I'd have to think through that. So, like Western or movie, period. Movie, period. The True Grit remake is your favorite movie of all time. It might be. It's top five, I think. I haven't thought through this. I need to think through what is my favorite movie ever. Yeah, let's do that this summer. Yeah, we can work through it. Yeah, Watch we'll some work movies. Through it. Yeah. We're not on any kind of deadline there to pronounce the greatest no, movie. No, no, no. I don't know that I'm there with you that True Grit remake would be. It's okay. You know, a quote that I enjoy and that resonated with me, Rob, was you and I don't have to agree for me to be right. So it really matters not whether you come That's on true. board the, the True Grit remake bandwagon. That's true. I no, I love that movie. It's not better than the original, but is this a Jeff Bridges? Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I play that's this? Jeff Bridges. Yeah, that's Jeff Bridges doing Chumbawamba. <laughs> All right, let's see if his impersonation is better than mine. All right. Well, uh, I get uh, knocked down, uh, but uh, you know, uh, I I get up again, man. <laughs> that is pretty good. It's just like your opinion, man. I love the the niche impersonation. Yeah, like that's great. Oh man, this is a perfect Uh, marriage of song and impersonation. We're we're officially in like Gaucho's after hours mode now. But um, you and Hyatt a few weeks ago were talking about there aren't any good impressionists left or or impersonators. Yeah, Hyatt was saying that. Yeah, I think there's. I think there's some, and I texted in yeah. um, one that I really like, and I wish they'd let her do more. Chloe Feynman on SNL. Yes. Um, but they give her like two minutes, and yeah. she just like lightning rounds it. And I'm like, this is some of the best stuff on SNL. Y'all need yeah. to like make this a standing. Is she the uh, one that does Drew Barrymore? Probably. She's the blonde. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's a good Drew Barrymore. Um, Kevin Spacey. 
pre-cancellation. He did some good ones. I don't think we're allowed to celebrate Kevin Spacey anymore, though. Yeah. But. Um. Not. Uh, not. Uh, Loki. Loki does good ones. What's his name? Like Loki. He's a good impersonator. No, 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 no. Loki, the actor that plays Loki in Marvel. Yeah. What is that actor's name? Why am I blanking on this? Like, I can totally picture exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I don't know. Damn it. I could look it up, but I don't want to. Anyway. That guy does good ones. Thank you to Cardinals. Matt, Matt Damon does a good uh, Matt McConaughey. I don't like Matt Damon. You don't like Matt Damon? I don't like Matt Damon. Um, Something I, personal there? Or? It's all Hollywood, so there's tons of pretense regardless. Sure. It's, it's unbearable with Matt Damon. Like, nobody thinks more highly of Matt Damon than Matt Damon. And he's well, I mean, person. he wants to give clean water to, you know. But you like apples? I just, I don't Do like Do you like apples. apples? No. How about those apples? Yeah, that guy's he's a beatdown for me. I don't like Matt Damon. Matt Damon, huh? Yeah. He married a teacher and to live in his life and you don't like him. Okay. Dude, everybody marries a teacher. Like that doesn't make you special. Like all of us are married to middle class people. I'm supposed to what? Like throw this guy yeah. a parade for being slightly normal? I like I like Matt Damon. I like his movies. Departed. It's a great movie. Couldn't get Didn't he has a false humility. You couldn't get through the departed. Hated. Kyle, you and I are gonna have a much different list of movies. I'm I'm afraid to even get into that with you. I don't think so. I think we might find that we agree on more than, than we disagree. Okay. I just you couldn't get that. through to the departed. I, I like zoned out. It was Jack Leo. Um DiCaprio? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. He's a big climate changer. Well, I didn't say I didn't like Matt Damon because of climate change. Oh, I thought one of Leo's acceptance speeches where he intertwined climate change was ridiculous because he was like, yeah. you couldn't find anywhere with snow and like they were filming in July. It's like, yeah, duh. Right. The Revenant. Yeah. So anyway, uh, which I don't look like, look, people in Hollywood know absolutely nothing about the real world. So I don't take right. any of their political beliefs for anything. Right, um, right left or, or neither. Um, so. No, I don't. I don't care what anybody like Matt Damon has to say about any political issue whatsoever. Zero. Or anything else like, about Damon. I just like him as an actor. I just like him as an actor. I don't think he's that good of an actor. Oh well. Like okay. I'm sure he's good at the craft, but it doesn't. Like I would never see. Oh, Matt Damon's in it. Let's go watch him. Well, yeah. I mean, not now. Stars kind of. Whatever happened to George Clooney? He hasn't been he's... anything in a while. Did you ever watch The Men Who Stare at Goats? No. George Clooney. Um, Up in see. the air. What is... Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Great one. Damn, we're in a tight spot. <laughs> are you I a, watched that just the other day. Are you a Fops guy or a Dopper, Dopper Dan man? Dapper it's Dan man. Ge- it's a geographical oddity. Two weeks from everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I do a. Uh, uh, that's a good movie. That's a good movie. I do a pretty good soggy bottom boys impersonation. Yeah, that's that's probably a top ten for me. Over the world, though. Great, uh, great soundtrack too. All of we it. thought you was a toad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
There's some Allison Krauss in there. Are we still recording? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Soggy Bottom Boys are good. There's some old like yeah. Western string band stuff. Uh, oh yeah, That's Indian that- Indian War Whoop. It's all good. Yeah. I love that soundtrack. Top five soundtrack for sure. That and like, you know, Tarzan. When they're taking Babyface George to jail. Yeah. Whole towns, you know, they got like their torches. Love that. Yeah. Um. Somebody, okay. somebody put three ten to Yuma on your list. Yeah, yeah. That's I think a good mul- one. I think multiple. Yeah, that one um, needs to be on your list. Okay, we have absolutely have one? to stop. This has gone on for too long. I haven't okay. seen it yet. <laughs> Thank you to Cardinals. Subscribe on Patreon. Give back to the Matador Club. Talk to y'all next week. Love y'all.